Hello, everyone. My name is Ian. I'm a marijuana addict. And thank you for listening this evening. Thank you for hosting. And, yeah, I'm grateful today that I didn't have to um, scrape any resin out of any pipes. I'm I'm grateful that I didn't have to... um, come up with a lie to tell someone that I care about why I need to go out. I'm grateful that I didn't need to figure out which dispensary opens the earliest. I'm grateful that I didn't need to go find my stash in a trash can. And, um, yeah, I, I'm grateful for MA. Um, I've been sober, uh, almost 17 months. And I've been bopping around MA for about six years. Um, yeah, again, my name is Ian. I'm a marijuana addict. And um, yeah, I grew up in a in a family where we didn't really talk about the hard stuff, but things were pretty peaceful. My parents were gainfully employed, and we had like a middle class kind of upbringing and. I uh, had really awesome childhood at some neighbor kids that I got to hang out with a lot. Um, my parents separated and divorced when I was 13. And uh, it was around that time that I discovered pot. Um, my my uh, first time I smoked, I was thinking about this. I've been thinking about this speaking thing all day. So I hope I say something you can relate to. And if I don't, you know, go um, find another meeting or if you're listening on the podcast, find another speaker that you can relate to. But the first time I smoked, I was probably 14 or or I must have been 16 because we were driving and um, I really coughed a lot. I really hurt my throat. I I remember that. And I didn't get that high, um, but I knew that I liked it. And when all my friends went home, I knew that I, wanted to experience this again. And it wasn't too long after that, that uh, homecoming night, I um, I got in trouble very early on, which probably should have been an indicator, but I, I begged a friend of mine to sneak out of her house and smoke me up because I didn't have a, a dealer at the time, and she smoked me up, and then I sat in my car all night by myself in the cold. Um, until my parents found out that I had lied about where I was and I, and I got in big trouble. So the, um, yeah, I knew, you know, that there was little signs throughout my using career. Um, and I think it was, it's only really recently that, uh, you know, I've, I, I have a problem being me and being comfortable with my own skin in sobriety um, which is part of the reason I'm so grateful for this program and the 12 steps and the fellowship. But uh, to, to move a little bit back into step one, I, I remember coming home from college at one point, again, middle-class upbringing, went to college, and came back home for the holidays or something, and I hit up this friend of mine, not because, and I knew on some level it wasn't because I wanted to see him, it was because I wanted to get get high and, and he probably had a, a hookup and I hated myself for that. I hated that I would reach out to one of my closest friends with this um, 
kind of hidden intent and uh, that, that it was actually more important than our friendship. Um, so, yeah, at a certain point, I started smoking every day and I started waking and baking and I loved it. And it worked for me for a while. It helped me um, calm my brain down, I thought, and focus. And um, very quickly, it became the secret. Uh, I didn't like to get high with people. I always got high alone. That's what I did on Friday night. And um, I didn't like sharing my stash with people. Um, and it quickly became the spiritual thing where I would I would smoke uh, after class or before class, and I would read poetry or play music, and I would have the spiritual experience, or so I thought, and um, it was really compelling for a long time. And then I did weird things, like I remember at one point I like snuck behind an abandoned house finals week, uh, sitting in like the weeds. And that was like my ideal. It was like no one around, uh, plenty of weed, and I could just sit there and think. I love to just get high and just sort of sit there and and have these fantasies, none of which I could realize. Um, Yeah, and then uh, fast-forwarding a little bit, I first came into MA in 2016. The cops showed up at my door. I thought I had made it. Um, As a musician, I had a job where I could work from home. And this was right after college, and I was terribly anxious and depressed. I didn't really know it, though. So I just isolated. I basically didn't show up to work for 10 days. My phone was on airplane mode, and I was just smoking and smoking and eating shitty food and smoking. And um, eventually my employer filed a a welfare check, and they found me and uh, went into an outpatient program, and that's when I found marijuana anonymous and i was thinking about this today one of the first meetings i went to i was so arrogant um it was in downtown seattle i live in oregon now but uh first came into ma in seattle and and was welcomed in um at this meeting downtown and i was i remember during one of my shares i like sang this song that i thought was so spiritual and i wasn't really there to listen and i hadn't really given up on the idea that i that I knew what was best for me and I could sort of tackle this problem. So um, not to spend too much time on the, on the using part of my journey, but I am fast forwarding. I, I, I eventually got really involved with uh, another fellowship with kind of our grandmother fellowship of AA um, because there's no back. I, I live in in Eastern Oregon, and there's no MA meetings here. Um, we're actually we're actually getting one off the ground now, which is amazing. But I'll just say to um, let's see the time. Uh, smoking weed worked until it didn't work, and I had these experiences where I would try to stop, and something hard would happen. Like early on, I would get sober and I would apply for these jobs that I thought would be so amazing and it would complete me if I got this job. And then I would inevitably not get the job because my, uh, you know, I had kind of, I bounced around a lot. I was a serious stoner and then I would be devastated and then I would turn back to weed and um, this kind of filling the hole in the soul 
I really turned to it for that. Um, anyway, I don't, I, and I, I've experienced that in sobriety. I've had 18 months of sobriety, um, two different times in the past six years. And both times I have gotten in and I've been really humbled and I've, by just the insanity of my life and being broke and lonely and sick from smoking as much as I, you know, as much as I want all the time and uh, come in and, and do the steps and get some relief and get some mental clarity and get some fellowship. Um, and then uh, I've turned something else or somebody else into my higher power. And um, I relapsed right when COVID hit, I had turned this career, this job uh, that I had that was really meaningful to me and all of a sudden, we couldn't we couldn't do that um, because of COVID. We, I was uh, part of a singing group, 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 and we couldn't do that. And um, I was devastated, and I didn't call my sponsor, and I hadn't been going to MA. Um, and so it was like I snuck into the dispensary, and within a month, I had a dab rig. I never thought I would have a dab rig. I did that once in college, and uh, never I thought it was too insane and my tolerance was so high that that's where I, that's what I went to. And I, this time around, I was almost, um, my therapist said there was, there was psychotic behavior, um, just totally erratic. And it was actually really valuable in the long run that I went therapy stoned every Wednesday and just hold off until three o'clock, you know, it's therapy time. Couldn't hold off. Uh, and I went into their high and he, he explained to me, like, I couldn't finish sentences. I was completely scatterbrained. I was emotionally volatile. And I know, I can't remember any of that because my short term memory goes out the window when I'm using anyway. Um, so this, this time around, it was a very slow surrender. It was very hard for me to let go of the idea that I know what's best um, and that there's a different way. And I, there's a great line in our, I think it's our third step in our Life with Hope text. Where maybe it's the first step. We began to give up our arrogance and defiance. Um, I don't think of myself as an arrogant or defiant person. I'm pretty, um, I don't really like conflict, probably kind of afraid of it. But uh, God, am I stubborn. And I started going to MA meetings and I went on this crazy road trip and I started going to MA meetings and I started talking to people in this fellowship on the phone and I got a service position um, and I, I started praying again and I don't really like talking about prayer or higher power. I, I feel like it's a very private thing. Um, but uh this time around, that's where I'm trying to stay centered. And I don't, most of the time, I don't understand higher power. Um, but my best thinking was, you know, throwing away a dab rig, breaking it, and then going and buying another one a week later or a day later. And insane, insane. And, um, Anyway, so I'll get into, yeah, I started giving up my ideas um, 
and I would I, I I was a one two three guy. I was like steps one two three, like yes, my I'll turn my will and my life over. And then looking at the fourth step, I didn't do it, and I would prioritize other things. Um, would get some frontal you know some frontal cortex back and have some money again and then I eventually something would happen and I would find an excuse to get high. Um, so I, that happened with a, I had a sponsor on zoom and he, we got to the third step and I was really loving working with this guy. And then he told me he was too depressed to work for me. kind of, I totally out of the blue. I got another sponsor and he said, well, if you can stay sober, we'll start at the fourth step. And I, I relapsed. So we started over and we went through the MA workbook the first time I've, I had done that. And it took a lot of time and it took a lot of sitting there and grappling with myself and looking at myself and looking at my resentments and my fears um, and developing an understanding of prayer um, for me, there's a poet named Bell Hooks who says that prayer is our, it, uh, is a way of talking that heals. And for me, sometimes that's all it is. God, help me say something tonight that's useful. Help me, guide me in humility this evening. And it's uh, my, my current sponsor is very big on that being an in-the-moment uh, thing, like at work or in a in a relationship um anyway so we started going through that book and i started going to meetings and i started showing up for our local ma meeting even when nobody was there i've had resentments like oh god there's so many dispensaries in this town and you know where are all the other stoners and blah 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 and, and it really doesn't matter because uh you know, that I really can relate to Bill Wilson and his story as outlined in the big book about Cox Anonymous because that guy tried to stop so many times. And I tried to stop so many times. Um, and so I believe the foundation of this program is like one addict talking to another. And when I, um, I have a, I actually, Recently, I'm kind of a phone meeting convert. I have a service position at one of these meetings. And it's, you know, listening to another addict, I stay sober. And that's the foundation of this program is Bill Wilson just started looking for people to help, and they didn't all stay sober, but he did. Um, and... I don't know the the steps I'm going back through the steps now and uh you know the ninth step having to make amends to my mom for the third time that's um that took some humility and that took some prayer and seeing her cry for the third time about all the times I didn't show up or that I said I was on my way um, or that I was just kind of emotionally unavailable and and erratic and y'all I'm just so grateful today like holy shit pardon my language, but, uh, you know, my first drug dealer was my music teacher and, um, I worked for him and he sold me pot and bought me booze. And, and today I get to make music with kids and it doesn't, that doesn't really matter. But, uh, but, uh, the miracle of this program and, and 
one of the other reasons I need meetings is because when there's not miracles happening in my life, they're happening in somebody else's life. You know, I, I, I've been bopping around 12-step rooms for long enough to see people and see people transform. And it is a miraculous thing to behold. Um, and I used to get really annoyed when people would say, I'm a grateful, I'm a grateful addict. Um, but today I really am because you know, that hole in the soul that like no amount of THC or other stuff could fill. Today I get to be with that hole in the soul and I get to figure out, you know, God, I'm, we're so lucky that we get to like, it's a higher power of your own understanding, you know, um, or, or lack of understanding. Um, today I am a little bit more comfortable in my own skin. And I think that's a big result of the fourth step. Uh, the resentment inventory, the fear inventory and the sex inventory. I came in here and I was afraid to look, I look at how afraid I was, um, afraid of being alone, afraid of reaching out for help, um, afraid of making decisions, afraid of failing, afraid of succeeding. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, for me, it's I shared in a meeting. So we, we have this little MA group now that's growing curb to herb here in uh, Central Oregon. And uh, I shared that, like, it's moments like uh, a week ago, I was folding laundry. And it was quiet. And my was quiet at the apartment here. And I just was okay. I was just okay with being alive. And in those moments, I find that contact with the higher power. And uh, I, when I'm using, <laughs> I like, and, you know, I, I, I think the, one of the great lines in our life with hope thing is like, when we stopped using, we finally had a problem with living. Um, I couldn't stay stopped when I am just living and I'm, and I'm not using and I'm not working a program. I tend to go back to using because uh, I don't have a good bearing on living. In rehab, they told me this is a disease of perception, and I never really knew what that meant. Um, but it kind of means for me today, I can't see my problems or my situations clearly, and I have to call people. Uh, I don't always do it. I really don't like asking for help. I don't like feeling afraid. I don't like telling another man that I'm feeling afraid or I'm feeling excited or I'm feeling giddy. Or, and uh, I don't know, I can't do it alone. I feel like I'm wrapping up here, but uh, the podcast has been super helpful to me on the crazy road trip I went on in early sobriety. Um, that podcast saved my life driving from Oregon to Iowa and back. Um, and just hearing that marijuana addiction is a thing and that there's a fellowship and we can choose to be a part of it and thank you all for choosing to be a part of it tonight um we're a smaller fellowship but we have a unique experience being kicked to death by a bunny rabbit um i love that and um i'm not sure what else i have to say i i think um I think I'll leave it at that. Thank you all for, for listening and for 
participating in my recovery this evening.